Uh, okay, it's time for the message today. So today is uh, marks the last Sunday of our eight-week series, going through some of just some of the major themes of what lies beneath the surface of who we are. That is the condition of our emotional health, an area I've said many times, this is just hard territory, foreign territory to me. Don't like going there. It's not comfortable, but it's good and it's needed. And we've been seeing the correlation between how mature we are emotionally and how that connects to how mature we are spiritually, that there is a direct correlation between the two. And we need to, myself included, all of us as a church, especially in the West probably, uh, we need to begin shortening the distance between hands raised on a Sunday morning and being a jerk in the workplace or in our home, right? The distance there where you hear a common sentiment in our culture where people love Jesus or like the idea of Jesus, but the church, not so much. A big part of that distance is due to the immaturity of our inner person, of our emotional health. And uh, Jesus wants to address that. Jesus wants to change that, to grow us, to mature us into uh, wholehearted and whole living, integral, loving people. That's, that's what we're to be known for. So we now know uh, over these last number of weeks that spiritual health or maturity, it is not tied to how many years we've been a Christian, but rather how many years we've let Christ into the depths of who we are. Letting him in to heal, to touch, to restore the broken and wounded parts of who we are. Now, um, and we've, we've kind of, again, I'll kind of summarize over the next couple of minutes here where we've been these last seven weeks in case you're first time here, uh, kind of catch you up for where we've been. Uh, there's a serious problem uh, in many of us today, myself included, in that we exercise a version uh, of faith that is attached to a false self. It's, it's a superficial or a, a surfacey faith, right? And we've learned that in order for us uh, to, to grow in our relationship with God, truly grow in our relationship with God, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to know thyself first. And it's in that reality of who we truly are at every single level that God wants to meet us in reality not in the religious surface, but in who we are. He wants actually to, to go there with us, to meet us in that place, and to begin touching us and healing us in, the, in, in those ways. So we need to know thyself. And a big part of that is, um, if you remember back to the first couple of weeks, was um, being attentive to our feelings. Like I said, that's a hard thing for me. Being attentive to our feelings. And our, we're not, we, don't, we don't live led by our feelings, but our feelings are our warning signs or indicators or gauges on the dashboard of our, of our vehicle of our life saying, you know, you're almost on empty or warning you're going to explode or you are exploding and this is why. Our feelings begin to point to something deeper beneath the surface. We also skittishly opened our lives to the truth that if we want to grow, we must deal with the past in order to move forward. And that's a scary proposition. If we ignore it, it is like living life on a ventilator when we were made to breathe with our own two lungs. We have to deal with our past in order to move forward. Dealing with our family of origin, 
I've talked to lots of folks over the years and just heard how, well, that's the way my mom or dad did things, that's the way that I do things, and it just dealing with those dysfunctions and those unhealthy, unbalanced realities of what we believe or how we respond in different situations or in events that, that happened to us when we were younger that, that have crippled us to one degree or another, and they just haven't been dealt with. And, and it's keeping us from moving forward. It's keeping us from maturing because we're like a, a, an infant in that area of our lives and we can't be operating at a fully mature level unless we let Jesus begin to deal uh, with that stuff. So we need to go back in order to move forward. We also need to change our theology of a lot of us because some of us believe that if we just give our yes to Jesus, then we don't have to deal with our past and nothing bad or hard is going to happen because Jesus is my captain and he's taken the wheel and he'll never steer me down through a dark valley. But yet he does and he allows really painful, sometimes horrific things to happen in our life. And yet uh, like I said, bad theology would say, well, that's just God's not good or God's, you know, fell asleep at the wheel or whatever. But, but good theology says that there's actually uh, um, something that's good that is going to come out of that. And uh, he allowed that for a reason. In fact, lots of the times, lots of times painfully because of our stubbornness, we're only ever awakened to him in moments of brokenness. And that sometimes, sadly, on, because of us and our sin and our rebellion and our hard hearts, sometimes the only way that he can get our attention is through using pain and suffering and evil to actually begin to break us open and humble us to the point where we're really able to see clearly for the first time and call out to him in desperation. And also in seasons of loss and grief, we've learned that, like, like me, if, if I'm experiencing pain, probably just like you, I just want to get... I want to avoid it or I want to get through it as fast as possible. And if God seems to be slowing down through it, then I'm just kind of like, forget you, God. I'm running through it because I just want to get this pain and suffering and loss over with. And yet sometimes Jesus walks slowly through those um, experiences and those feelings because if we walk slowly, we'll begin to see and observe things that we wouldn't have seen or observed had we just rushed through it or ignored that pain altogether and coped with it or numbed it along the way. But if we openly embrace it with Jesus, there are treasures to be mined in the midst of loss and grief. If we go slowly with Jesus through those experiences and through those, into those feelings uh, of life. Um, from there, we considered the call and the practice of keeping the Sabbath, as well as our need uh, in our humanness and in the broken culture and world and, and gravity of the broken world around us for regular moments throughout the day to meet with God. We need the Sabbath once a week to, to rest and to reset our, our hearts and we need multiple times in the day. And, and how we structure that and how that looks is going to be different for all of us. But, but none of us are really able to walk truly with God, being present with God from, from morning to night. And so a practical um, uh, way forward is for us to, to schedule or prioritize multiple times in the day for us to, to be silent before God or to breathe and to meet with God. We, we need that regularly. And so that we, we learned about that as a practical uh, tool in our faith development and our emotional health development because if we don't stop to rest for our Sabbath or we don't stop throughout the day to, 
to get on the same page with Jesus throughout our day, then we begin to do violence to our soul. We're not made to, to do life without God, and we're not made to do life just going, 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 and not stopping and resting and delighting in Him. And so we learned very clearly how that, you know, that external rhythms and habits of our life, if we avoid doing the right thing, then it does do violence to our soul. And then last week, uh, Pastor Tom began opening up to us the way in which we begin to grow into emotionally mature adults and youth. Uh, and that is, is that how we view and how we treat others. Instead of an I-it relationship, where that other person is an object, God calls us as emotionally mature, spiritually mature people to see our relationships as I and thou. That that other person is sacred, made in the image of God. Even, and, you know, even, if, they're, um, <laughs> even if they're a jerk, okay? Even if they're being a Karen, no offense to the real Karens here. Uh, you know, even if they're, like, they're not in it, they're not somebody just to go home to Facebook and just to like vent about or to, to belittle them or whatever we do in our unhealthy, immature response to the jerks in our lives, even if they are our spouse. They are a thou, not an it. And we are to enter into the friction of our relationships in a loving, God-fearing kind of way. Now today, as we are now fully into the start of summer, I'd like to bring all of those last seven weeks uh, home to us in a very personal and practical way. For actual growth doesn't just happen by default. I don't know if you figured that out yet in life. It took me a while to figure that out, that if I just do nothing, I don't get healthier, I get unhealthier along the way. I have to be intentional. You know, as much as I would love to be able to run a marathon, for example, I can't or I shouldn't. You know, and if I tried, I don't think I could run the whole thing. And if I did, I'd probably die, you know, the next day or literally minutes after crossing the finish line. I'd definitely pull a hamstring. You know, I read about a guy that just went and ran a marathon, no training, and he was, you know, like me, out of shape. And he ended up in the hospital for a couple of days and then took a few weeks to actually fully recover. About my age, about my health. So I've seen, you know, other people try to do that. You know, to have the health of a marathon runner, you know, we have to train, <laughs> we have to eat right, you know. We have to have a good pl uh, plan, a practice plan, uh, uh, time it out far enough so that we get into shape uh, for that and get ready for that. And then there's ultimately, there's got to be the motivation, right? Because you know it's going to be painful both in the preparation and in the execution of it. And, and so you have to have enough motivation to actually pull you into the pain and then endure the pain so that you might see the gain realized in your life. Okay? Um, where did I go? I'm really lost here. Oh, yeah, here we are. So, just like that, likewise, we not only need, um, we need a good plan, basically, for our spiritual health or maturity. If we want to get healthy on the inner person of who we are, we need a good plan for that to become a reality. And we also need the motivation. You know, it's got to be a high enough priority. We need to want it enough to pull us into the pain and to pull us through the pain that the gain would truly be realized. From immaturity to maturity, from selfish living to selfless living, from passive-aggressive behavior 
and uh, to truthful speech and loving boundaries, from hurt and anger and bitterness to healing and love. We need to remember that spiritual maturity is measured by our love for one another. Not how many times we go to church or how good our doctrine is on paper. Our spiritual maturity is measured in the way that we love one another. And that's not just for the Christian, but for all of humanity. True health, true maturity happens when God is allowed to be the center of our life in every area. To be with God and to love him more and more in every activity and season of life. That's a way and that's a relationship that does not happen overnight. You do not run that kind of a marathon or get to that kind of maturity overnight. It doesn't happen. We need him to lead us in the way that we are to go. Psalm 119, 105, a famous scripture. So simple, and that's why it's so famous, is his word is a lamp unto our feet. He is to lead us. We need to yield our thoughts to his. Romans 8, 6 says, The thoughts of a person ruled by sin bring death, but the mind ruled by the Spirit brings life and peace. God is our inventor. He is our maker, and he has given us his son. He has given us his spirit. He has given us his word, and he has given us his church to make the way from where we are to where he is calling, to, uh, calling us to possible. And even for the most out-of-shape person, if you are an infant in your emotional maturity, God will be faithful to to, to make a way to maturity, one step at a time. Uh, and because of who he is and what he has done and what he has promised for those who trust him, he becomes our prize, he becomes our path, and he becomes our motivation. We're not doing it for ourselves, we're doing it for him. And when we cross that finish line of the race that he has called us to, the only face that we want to see is the face of our master. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into thy rest. And so today, we're going to consider what it means to have a planning session with Christ and work out with him what training exercises, exercise is needed in our life. Now, some call developing this exercise a, a plan or the next step for our life. They call it a rule of life, okay? It's kind of a common phrase that is used as a rule of life. In other words, I'm inviting us to seek and to receive from Christ a way to live your life. And we're going to look at just this summer. A way to live your life this summer that is being intentionally obedient to where you are and to where Jesus is calling you to. From one degree of immaturity to a greater degree of maturity. From poor health to better health. To craft with him a personal, practical rule of life that when followed or exercised, okay, 
will be the very guide or the very step that will begin to get you from where you are to where God is calling you to. And it needs to be something that is um, more personal and more practical than the general moral compass of Scripture, okay? It needs to be an individually prescribed medicine or tailored exercise that is a bit unique to your condition, you know, to your height, to your weight, to um, what you have available uh, to you in terms of resources uh, at your disposal in the current moment, the current season of life. For example, if the Bible said, maybe imagine one of the Ten Commandments was this, uh, thou shalt have low blood pressure, okay? Maybe, maybe that's one of the Ten Commandments. Let's just pretend for a second, okay? Well, the way to obey that, or to live that health out, is a bit personal and unique, Okay, um, especially when it comes to the, the next best, the next step, or the best step that we, the first step that we need to take in that area. Now, for some, the first and best step might be to seek a reduction in stress. For others, the first step might be a change in diet, and still others it might be exercise, and yet others it might be going to seek a professional help, or a life coach, or a doctor, or a psychiatrist, even who knows. Um, and what is prescribed to one person might not be prescribed to the other, yet both are on a path, a personal path, towards the same goal, this general moral or healthy way of living, you know, obeying or living out this commandment, thou shalt have low blood pressure, okay? Now in Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, we read that the first followers of Jesus had some collective general rules of life for their community. We're going to read some. I think that will be on the screen as well. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone uh, who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Pretty, some, the, you can see how the, the general morals of, of Scripture begin to narrow down in this unique community. Uh, but even still, the specifics of how each community centered around Jesus in each season and in each member of that community lived out those rules of life, it needed to be customized and led by the Spirit of God in each person's life and in each unique community. Consider the Apostle Paul with me for a few minutes, Okay. He had a rule of life that he would not take money from churches. Imagine that, a volunteer preacher, okay? He would not take money from churches that he was planting. Instead, he supported himself by making and selling tents on the side. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he writes that it would have been perfectly acceptable, moral, even appropriate to receive money for his time and his expertise in preaching the gospel. But there was something that the Spirit of God was calling him to for his own health and for the health of those that he was preaching to that he felt compelled to preach as a volunteer. Paul also writes um, 
uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians as well, how it is admirable, even preferred, to have a rule of life that says that we should remain single and not get married so that the single person can devote themselves more fully to the work of the gospel. But yet he also recognizes that, that that specific call or rule of life is not for everyone. And that if you're married, then the first gospel work for you to live out is to your spouse. For Paul, it was a rule of life for him to remain single. And while there was wisdom, general wisdom, and good reasoning for it, he didn't mandate it for everyone. Or you think way back to Daniel. Uh, you know, he was uh, captured from... Uh, his hometown and brought to Babylon and, you know, pressured to live like the people around him. He began to live and out his life based on his own rules of life, where he wouldn't eat certain foods. And he felt led by the Lord to do that. And he would meet with God in, in prayer three times a day. That was a rule of life for him so that he would not get sucked in to the culture or give in to the, the temptation and the lure of his flesh but that he created some personalized rules of life for himself, led by God, and how he was to live out his faith, that he would be mature and fruitful even in difficult times. Likewise, we must regularly come, become, come before the Lord to let him begin to audit the health of our heart or our inner life, the rhythms that we are walking to, the thoughts that we entertain, and the actions or the work that we give ourselves to. And we must let the Lord into all of that, every single area, to do inventory, to conduct an audit, so to speak, of our lives, to diagnose and to prescribe the path of life that we are to take. And I find spaces like vacations, slower times like summer, the weekly practice of keeping the Sabbath, gathering together on Sunday like we're doing here today, uh, meeting with God in the morning for our devotions or setting aside different points throughout the day to, to um, get on the same page with them. They're, they're all spaces to regularly invite him into our life and to let him speak, address what's going on in our heart and, and the direction that we're taking and the steps that we're making and the, the pace in which we are conducting ourselves to be, let him into those things that he might direct the path that we are to go and direct our next steps so that he might bring life to our weary bones and greater perspective or wisdom to our limited understanding and wisdom. And every now and then, especially at times where we empty ourselves and sincerely seeking of him and invite him to speak as such, he will speak a personalized rule of life into our hearts and into our minds that is the way that we are to go and the way that we are to live our life. And we all need lots of good rules. And I say good rules because there's such a thing, isn't there, as bad rules? maybe based on bad doctrine or bad uh, advice from somebody. We all need good rules to live a life that is centered on God and enjoy the kind of fruit that we were made for. At the same time, we are all quite limited, aren't we, in our humanity and in our ability. You know, just like it's nearly impossible to 
get a good night's rest, exercise, study the Bible, be kind to everyone, eat right, stop biting our fingernails, spend within our budget, give to the poor, volunteer at the shelter, excel at work, excel at school, call our grandma, have the neighbors over for dinner, start a new hobby, iron the sheets. Yes, some people iron their sheets. Play Lego for hours with a small child and be fully present to others as worship unto the Lord perfectly in a 24-hour period, let alone day after day after day is impossible. We recognize quite quickly how broken we are, how limited we are, and therefore how gracious and patient God is. And in my lived experience with Jesus, I find that his to-do list for my day is almost always shorter than my to-do list for the day. He is so patient and he is so gracious. Way more than I deserve and way more than I am with myself and I am with others. And I see that with increasing clarity. And he's rubbing off on me slowly but surely. What I think is realistic for all of us today and this week is to be intentional in our growth and seeking him, uh, seeking from him just one thing, okay? Just one thing that we can begin training in this summer. Not as a summer goal that expires August 31st. It could be, but that's generally a rule of life is a much longer picture than just a couple months or seasonal but a new rule of life that adjusts our lifestyle one step closer to God being the center of our life, at least in that area. It needs to be based on the Bible, of course, and it should be, it needs to be something that we personally receive from the Lord. It might be something that has come out of these last seven weeks, if you've been journeying with us uh, on Sundays here. Or it could be something else that you believe the Lord is calling you to. And you might not craft it right the first time that we're human. It might need some adjustments as you step into something new. And if you're like me, you'll typically bite off more than you can chew. You'll start adding things. Because like, God, that's just too simple. I, need to, I, I can do more than that. And yet quite often it's just very simple. Start simple. Seek the Lord. Don't take away or add to Uh, it unless the Lord is the adjuster and it's one step just one step anyone can take one step if it's the Lord asking you to take that step you can do it and yet just because it might appear small or simple or just one thing don't you dare write it off as easy Don't you dare write it off as insignificant or worse that it's not important because it's so simple or so small. if, If it's of God, it is holy, it is sacred, and when you exercise that step, it is a sacrament. It is an offering and a, a, a vehicle of grace moving us closer to God. And when we obey him in just that one step, no matter how simple or small it might be, when we obey him, prioritizing his way for our life, everything else seems to fall into place. It's just how God works. In fact, Jesus said that. Seek him 
and his righteousness, his way for your life, and all of the other details of life kind of just fall into place. And you know what? Even if life doesn't fall into place the way that you want or you think it should, bare minimum, you know that you and God are good. As it relates to me and him, we're at peace. And if you have that peace, then you can be at peace with, no matter, with your life, no matter what circumstances are going on. So what is the Lord calling you to? What does it mean for you to take the next step of maturing in your love for Jesus and making him the center of your life? What good rule is he calling you to craft for your life and begin being trained up in this summer? Now, over time and in his way, he will add another good rule and then another good rule and another good rule. It's called sanctification. Each rule stretching us and growing us into a healthier, more fruitful people in this world. And the strength developed in the previous step will leverage itself to opening up to taking strength for the next step. But again, it's not overnight. But we do need to be intentional and we do need to be obedient. Did you know that the, the Greek word for rule is the same Greek word that we get the word trellis from? You know, a lot of us are gardeners in this room. And you know, your peas or whatever kind of viney plant you're growing, it needs that trellis in order to get up off the ground, to grow up and to become more fruitful. And the exact same thing happens with good rules in their life. They act like a trellis. They give us something to hold on to, to build our life upon and to climb up, to get up off the ground, to stretch on out and to be the man or the woman that God has created us to be and to become fruitful and for our fruit to be ever increasing and ever expanding uh, like a good trellis and a good healthy plant will do. What good rule of life might the Lord be adding to you this summer? What's that next piece in the lattice work of your life that he wants to add to your life that you might get off the ground, grow up and become more fruitful? It might be around prayer, Practicing silence, keeping the Sabbath, fasting, devotions, exercising simplicity, recreation, giving, serving, physical health, emotional health, family, community, or many of the other arenas of life. Here are some examples. Maybe this could be a rule of life for you. Every Sunday, I will keep the Sabbath by planning and preparing for it the day before. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, you can. How about this? Once a year, I will go to a counselor for a checkup, even if everything's going great. Hmm. How about this one? Thursday night is date night. How about this one? On the fourth Sunday of the month, our family will gather for dinner and pray for one another. Rule of life for a family. Or how about this? I will no longer say yes when I mean no, and I will no longer say no when I mean yes. Or here's another one. Every night, screens are, all screens are off by 10 p.m. Or before we turn in, turn in for the night, we will pray for one another. Or every dinner plate must have at least 50% greens, <laughs> and I will eat them first. <laughs> it's a rule of life. I might need to top that one. And on and on and on it can go. 
Now, you might be overwhelmed just hearing some of those examples, and you think, I need to do all of those things. Stop, okay? Start with one thing, just one thing this summer. It won't go perfectly. You might need to adjust. You will need grace. And most importantly, it needs to be led by the Spirit of God, asking what he asks you to do. No more, no less. And you will begin to see the reality of those, some of the truths of the songs that we just sang be expressed and manifested in your heart and in your life. And you might be like me as well, because I gravitate towards lists. And once I get onto something like this, it's like, oh, I can think of many rules that I need in my life. And all of a sudden, three volumes later, you've got a, a, a book longer than the Bible. Rules of life for Clint. <laughs> And it can easily drift into some kind of a legalistic version of the faith. And I think God's not really into that kind of a long list detail type stuff. He, he, he made us, he knows us, and he can craft rules of life that are personal to us. And if lived truthfully and lived well, they kind of have this automatic spillover effect into so many other areas of life. For me, I've found that if I observe the Sabbath well, then so many other things in my life just seem to fall into place. They're not, I don't miss them or forget them or struggle with them because I've kept the Sabbath. And it seems to be almost like a, a keystone or a leverage point that begins to leverage into all these other things. So I don't need a whole list of rules for the week if I observe the Sabbath. And, and I find that God's very personal and gracious and effective in that way, our minds aren't bogged down with this extra weight of all this you know, long checklist of things that I'm failing in, but you just kind of one at a time, you got that under your belt, now let's, let's add another one. And, and before you know it, all of a sudden there's more and more rules, but they're not, they don't really feel like rules, they're just a way of life. And they become the kind of a thing where you become known for it because it's like, oh, you know, us Nelsons, we do this. To be a Nelson, you do this kind of a thing or whatever it might be because it's just, it becomes so ingrained into your culture as a human and as a family and one day as a church and, and hopefully one day as a city in terms of healthy and good rules for us. Ask him now. Ask him this afternoon. Ask him this week. Say, Jesus... What area of my life would you like me to grow in? And how can I make you front and center of, of that area? Ask him that. And then and what the impression that you get that you are to, to, to do, craft that rule of life. Hold it gently. Hold it before him. Don't worship it, but just hold it gently before him. Share it with a few close Christian friends. Say, this is what I think the Lord is calling me to. To, to, to be about or to do in my life and, and they can help encourage you uh, and, and maybe give you a kick in the butt once in a while if you need it along the way as well. But, but be intentional. We, we don't grow unless we actually become intentional. It does not happen automatically. There is a discipline. There is a pain. There is a motivation and there is wisdom that needs to be received and lived. Take that next step from immaturity to maturity in our love for the Lord and our love for one another. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, after hearing all this, I, I feel the need that I just need to be with you. And I need to be with you for a long time. And Lord, I know that at other times I have rushed and I have cut you short. But I can see that there are a lot of things in me that need to change. And let this time be different, Lord. Show me what one small step I can take to begin 
to build a life around you. Help me pay attention to your voice. And by faith, I obey, trusting that even small changes will grow into powerful winds of the Holy Spirit blowing through and overtaking all the areas of my life. Thank you, Lord, for your wisdom and for your grace and for your strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.